everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. And we are really excited today to be here to be talking about some non-Hallmark Christmas movies that happened over the last week. And uh, we're covering Lifetime, BET Plus, Netflix, Amazon, all over the place. It's going to be fun. I am film critic Rachel Wagner and Michelle's here. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm excited to talk about these ones, especially yes, one too. of one, yeah, one of the lifetime ones, especially. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you've been working retail, so you you really do need these Christmas movies to boost your spirits, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> and it's it's just nonstop Christmas at work as well. So uh-huh. yeah, it's um it's been intense. Hopefully, after Christmas, it starts to calm down. By the time we're back into um to heartland hopefully my schedule's yes. calm down calm down a little bit <laughs> michelle's like triggered by, by, by rocking around the christmas tree <laughs> oh my god yeah and it's it's now not just like the the sort of like singing sadness and things that we have that are just constantly singing those types of songs we now have just like constant christmas songs and it's just like like fairy tale in new york's always been my favorite but uh-huh. I hear I hear it like five times every hour. <laughs> it's like it's a the popular same, one there. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> the same ten songs on a loop, and it's on. It drives me insane. I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. And there's also that, and there's like they have a. I think it's like a Britney Spears like Christmas album or. Oh some, yeah. It sounds it sounds very much like Britney Spears, but it's very sort of depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's <laughs> albums that they keep playing so it's either those 10 songs on a loop or this britney album that's all that i've heard the last like two weeks yeah that would be enough to get me Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well hopefully these movies provided some uh some respite for you from <laughs> all of that are you still feeling yeah. pretty high about the uh Christmas movie watching season in general? You think it's been pretty yeah. good? Yeah, I think it's been really good. Um I am really excited for when we do our top ten. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's gonna be because usually you and I see eye to eye a lot. And I think we also do in terms of these movies, but I think our orders are just gonna be very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. I yeah, you know, that will be interesting to see how it all shuffles out. But uh, all right, well, let's dive in. Let's start with Serving Up the Holidays. This was on the first, it was on Lifetime. Britt Irvin, Zach Roning, Scarlett, an incredible chef and co-owner of an upscale restaurant, heads to a holiday cooking getaway in a beautiful villa to relearn festive cooking and maybe find love with a handsome rival chef from her past. So what do you think of this one overall? Um, Yeah, I'd seen this one last year. Mm-hmm. um yeah it aired here last year so I'm guessing it was a an acquire for a lifetime mm-hmm. um I like it fine um I sort of put it into the sort of bag of all of the the sort of cooking ones <laughs> I'm not I'm never that um sort of high on those ones mm-hmm. I feel like this one was was fine it was a little bit different um I felt like Brett Irvin's character Scarlett was a little bit more sort of chill and responsive kind of she wasn't like fighting the experience the entire time which can happen mm-hmm. a lot in these movies yeah um so yeah I think that helped a lot um and I really like Zach I hope they sort of um Hallmark or Lifetime or some other network sort of use him I think he's a really I've been a fan of him since the Vampire Diaries so hopefully he mm. gets used a little bit more I feel like Vampire Diaries and Pretty Little Liars they have gotten it's just like yeah, main recruiting yeah. for these movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've got to catch them all situation. Yeah, especially I mean, for yeah, it's pretty little liars. I think they've almost cast every single cast member. <laughs> yeah, and this one I agree was fine. It was pretty basic, but not bad. Uh, I I thought they worked well together. They did a pretty good job. I thought they did a good job in this movie of making the lodge or whatever feel very cozy and everything to feel cold and it just being this like cozy spot away from the cold. Like they they did that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that Zach's character was, um, you know, in the sort of fine dining world and was just like, yeah, that's not mm-hmm. for me, and you know, just sort of represented different 
um, different ways of, you know, making restaurants and cooking your life. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be these sort of fancy, you know, <laughs> you know, however many course meals, you know, it can just be, you know, what, what his character was sort of all about. And I felt like they had a really good group of characters as well, like a really diverse yeah. group of people. Yeah. All different ages and walks of life and all yeah. there for sort of different reasons as well. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I thought that was good. This is a total nitpick, but they, this must have been filmed in like August because they always had their jackets open and they all, they almost never had like a scarf or a hat. I didn't notice, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's supposed to be like in the, it, it, there's blizzards all around. It's supposed to be really cold. Come on. We got to do better than that. <laughs> That's how, you know, I've seen too many of these movies. But I know You've got to like, see if the winter aspect of it is believable or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, this was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I give it a three. Yeah, yeah, I'll go right down the middle as well. Three. Yeah. Okay. Then we had Rolling Into Christmas. This was on BET Plus on the first. And Ryan Nicole Brown, Donnie Carrington, Brandy Evans, Gary Dordan, and its two childhood sweethearts who shared a passion for roller skating are reunited 15 years later during the holidays, forcing them to question their love and life choices. I've mentioned on this show how I've noticed reviewing these BET movies that they tend to really like sort of soap opera elements, mm-hmm. uh, the love triangles, sort of catty women, gold digging women, uh, cat fights, that kind of thing. You see a lot of in these movies and kind of have to know that going in if you're going to enjoy it. And this was a shame to me because I felt like all the skating parts were really fun and they did a good job with that. And it was something different. I haven't seen that much roller skating, you know, in these movies, that was fun. Uh, But basically they have, they started out with her and uh, him as little kids in the skating rink and everything and being friends and then her uh, um, her mother dies, and so she has to go to Germany with her father. And uh, so they keep in touch at first, and then they lose touch. And she finally comes back after 15 years. And it was weird because the first like 15 minutes or so, they establish her relationship with this guy. And it, he's not like painted as a bad man of business or anything. In fact, they have the a couple like really cheesy love scenes uh, with her and this guy. And <laughs> they're like feeding each other orange sections and stuff. Like it's really cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, they make it seem like you're supposed to be invested in this relationship. Like it's not just a bad man of business or, you know, something like that. And, uh, and then she goes home to help with her grandma who gets injured and then is put in the path of this guy that she'd grown up with. And, uh, and so that's where the love triangle kind of comes in place. And he has this girl who is really into him and he's kind of, caddy and backstabbing and everything like that and and so uh, they turns out they're going to shut down the 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 roller rink and uh and so you know they're very upset and trying to stop it from getting shut down and you know we've seen this many times but uh it wasn't awful i liked the skating and i thought the two leads were fine but i just wish they didn't feel the need to because they don't camp it up enough for it to be like soap opera fun you know like mm-hmm. soap operas i mean i'm not like i haven't watched tons of soap operas but what i have watched like they take it up to that other level you know with like uh evil twins and you know just really over the top like mm-hmm. cloned cloned women and, and just ridiculous and and that to me makes them a lot more fun Whereas mm-hmm. this is just kind of, I have to say, after watching what, like seven of them, I'm getting a little burnout <laughs> on the uh, caddy women who 
you know, gold digging and I'm a little tired of it. But this one I'd give also three three crowns to. Okay. Just I did think the skating parts were kind of fun. And I mean, they must know their audience. Their audience must really enjoy this type of story, I guess. I that's what they made in every single one of them. Yeah, that's interesting because it does seem like all the other networks are doing the opposite where they're trying to sort of have, you know, a different type of movie every week, especially Hallmark. You know, they're, you know, different settings, different, you know, different types of relationships and, yeah. you know, de- you know, exploring different things and different sort of time settings and things like that. So, yes, it's yeah. interesting that this audience seems to, this seems to be what they, they're sort of happy with. Yeah, I mean, the closest we got to not having would have been the holiday hideaway, but even that, uh, her dad brings this this gold digger, gold digger fiance to give the gold digger. Got the gold digger. <laughs> but, but but anyway, it is what it is. So if people enjoyed it. I hope you did. Ho, ho, ho. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcasts, especially at Christmas? Do you enjoy the holiday previews, recaps, interviews, and bonus episodes? If the answer is yes, please consider supporting the Hallmarkies Patreon. We need your help to do what we do both during the Christmas season and all year round. But not only do you help a podcast led by strong, independent women by becoming a Patreon, you get to become a part of the Hallmarkies family. Starting at only $2 a month as a patron, you will have access to our Facebook Patreon group where we talk about the movies, shows, and more all year. We also have many monthly patron watch-alongs with guests like Lacey Chabert, Natalie Hall, Paul Campbell, Mary Lou Henner, and more, giving their behind-the-scenes details of their films. As a patron, you also have the chance to provide input into the podcast and even join us at different tiers. So this Christmas season, spread some cheer to the Hallmarkies Patreon and become a member today. You won't regret it. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies to learn more. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. Let's talk about Cloudy with a Chance of Christmas. This is on the second on Lifetime, Bridget Torres, Nicole Bilderback, and Brandon Quinn. Mm-hmm. Prominent forecaster Bridget visits the magical wintry town of Leavenworth, Washington, is tasked with announcing a special snowcast at the annual Christmas Eve festival and has brought her boss, Lisa, along. However, her plans are foiled when a talk show host, Drake Kincaid, arrives to join her for the broadcast. So what do you think of this one? Um, I felt like this was perfectly fine as well. Um, there wasn't anything... I sort of had high expectations because I really like Brandon. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't like the sort of jealousy aspect yeah. throughout the whole thing. It felt like it sort of brought it down for me a little bit sort of throughout it. You know, every time I felt like I was really getting drawn into the to their relationship and their romance, it was like just constantly, you know, bringing in this character to, you know, shake things up and, you know, sort of hammer home the jealousy and it was just sort of waiting on that misunderstanding or you know <laughs> so yeah it it really did kind for, of, yeah it it did make her character kind of unlikable oh. because she was so sort of petty mm-hmm. yeah and it just felt like very predictable um you know, we, we knew exactly what was going to happen and, you know, we were going to end up having to sort of redeem the character in the last five minutes, which never really works mm-hmm. for me when you spent the entire movie making this character be the foil, be the sort of foil for the main couple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's sort of a frustrating trope that I really wish they would take out of these characters, th- these movies, because it, it, it there's really no need for these type of characters. You know, we had that... Um, the Hallmark movie, you know, was sort of the Christmas movie they were making sort of within the movie. Um, and they had sort of the, the character that you would expect to be the love interest or, you know, the foil to the, to the main romance. And it was mm-hmm. the complete opposite. You know, she was 
very supportive of the relationship and it was like oh my god like they actually listened and took notes and were like the audience doesn't want that type of thing anymore mm-hmm. um so yeah it just felt like a little bit of a setback for me yeah they have sarah jane morris as this uh rival yeah uh, i really her. like her yeah i like her um but you're right it did like she kind of comes around at the end and it's like oh well you two should really be together and and uh they kind of make up and it does kind of all get tied up into a bow this is uh writer director jake helgren who we had on the podcast and he is really great we love talking to him and mm-hmm. there were some fun moments in this it did feel a little this is one of those ones that feels a little covety to me and what i mean by that is that it felt like it was all shot in this one hotel mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were in this one place the whole time and they couldn't really you know like uh, that's how it kind of felt to me uh, which isn't like necessarily a bad thing. It's just something I've started to notice is these these ones. Uh, and uh, and th- I mean, Brandon Quinn is so great. Like mm-hmm. he's just so charismatic. And if we hadn't already seen him in a Christmas Country Harmony, which was, in my opinion, really good, uh, then that I might be kind of more excited about this. You know. Hmm um but it wasn't bad it was it was fine yeah yeah i agree um Uh, probably i i would probably maybe it's one of those ones that's hurt a little bit by the fact that we're now pretty far into the season so (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're starting (laughs) yeah we're starting to dip a little um yeah and i really like jake as well he did one of my favorite movies was dashing in december Uh um, a few years ago so He's sort of like one of those people. It's like I'm always going to watch what he mm-hmm. makes because of like one movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I've not. I've actually never seen Valerie in anything. Um, uh, yeah, I hadn't seen her either. She was new to me. Stunning, like beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. My God. Yeah. So yeah. Hopefully we see her again. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, he's Jake has done. Uh, he's done both the uh, uh, the thrillers and. The Christmas movies, uh, yeah. So uh, he knows how to he knows how to deliver. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, overall, I would give this one a like three point two five. Uh, yeah, I'll go three point five. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> then we have uh, Scrooge: A Christmas Carol. This was on the second and Netflix. And Luke Evans, Olivia Coleman, Jesse Buckley, Johnny Flynn. Charles Dickens' Ageless Legend is reborn in this animated, supernatural, time traveling musical adaptation of the definitive Christmas story. With his very soul on the line, Scrooge has but one Christmas Eve left to face his past and build a better future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like this summary is very weird because every <laughs> single version of Christmas Carol is supernatural and time traveling. Like, that's not yeah. new. <laughs> yeah and we've seen like a million already this season as well (laughs) yeah yeah this is the year for i mean i know we always get christmas carol but this year so many yeah like we could literally do a top 10 Uh, we probably will (laughs) that's that's coming (laughs) but uh, but but yeah and and this one they should have put it in the summary but this one is an adaptation of the uh uh what i think 1979 80 something like that um uh the albert feeney uh version um 1970 excuse me 1970 albert feeney version uh scrooge christmas carol which uh is they use all of the songs uh Mm -hmm. from that movie in this movie which I actually thought was really fun. I enjoyed that movie. They didn't do everything the same from that movie. Like in that movie, Scrooge goes to hell. <laughs> it's a little dark. <laughs> yeah, it's a little dark. Uh, that is more kid-friendly than that. But they have uh, most of the iconic songs. I hate Christmas and uh, and uh, and thank you, thank you very much. That's probably the best song of the show. Uh, is is in there and. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I mean, there have been terrible uh, adaptations of animated adaptations of Christmas Carol. 
really mm-hmm. bad <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, but then of course we have some good ones like Mickey is probably the best animated one, which I reviewed uh, over on my channel on Rachel's reviews for family movie night this week. So you should check that out. But I love Mickey's Christmas Carol and I love the Muppets and uh, many good versions, but there've been a lot of bad animated ones over the years. And so I approached this somewhat cautiously, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I really liked the animation. I, for this kind of level of animated mm-hmm. film, I thought it looked pretty. It was nice. And I had a great voice cast and, uh, you know, nice songs like the songs. Uh, and, uh, so what do you think? Um, yeah, it took me like maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes to sort of get into the actual animation style. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, it does look a little, it's not as polished as, you know, what I would expect to see in a, a you know, a movie that, you know, Olivia Coleman and Luke Evans was doing voices. Um, uh-huh. It looked like something they would be in, they, it seems like they would be in something that was more sort of theater ready and this you know it's very well suited for netflix mm-hmm. um and i i feel like once it got into um ghost of christmas past and i thought the design of that was fantastic like the candle design looks so good um once it sort of got into that bit it started to look more and more impressive and the way they sort of transitioned like using space and galaxy sort of um this sort of translucent um, effect sort of throughout all of those that those sort of transitioning from you know past present future um that all looked really really good um especially on my tv so i was really happy with it you know it, i'm not super well versed in a lot of the christmas carol adaptations i've seen you know obviously the muppets and mickey and a few other ones but I can't remember actually sitting down and watching the older ones, you know, the one black and white one, the ones from, that was the one that this one was based on, wasn't it? The one from the 70s? Um, yes, the, uh, yeah, 1970. I can't remember ever sitting down and watching that sort of beginning to end. It's just one of those things. It's just part of culture at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do, even though I've watched like five Christmas Carol movies so far this year, I really should sit down and watch a lot of the older ones. Um, but yeah, I thought this mm-hmm. was really impressive in terms of the voice cast. Like, yeah, I mean, Jessie Buckley, like all of her songs were so good. Her voice mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Luke Evans just never gets credit for how incredible his voice is either. Um, but yeah, I think this worked mm-hmm. really, really well. Um. Yeah, um, it, wasn't, liked... it wasn't too long either. They tend yeah. to make animated films so long now. Yeah, I feel like this one true. just sort of zipped pa- zip by um, and I didn't really, you know, notice the length or anything like that, which is which is always good. When you start to notice the length, you know, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be excited once this post, I'll be able to add my review to Rotten Tomatoes because it's at 36% and I think it deserves way better than that. I... Way better. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I really liked uh, the design of past, almost like a Lumiere kind of thing, like this candle. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was very good. And also it was cool design of, of Jacob Marley as kind mm-hmm. of this uh, robot, sort of. I guess yeah. maybe that's what they meant by supernatural. I don't know. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was bright, colorful, uh, mm-hmm. good voice I, I'm not sure what else you could do yeah I don't know if people are sort of holding it up against you know something like Klaus because it's you know the next Netflix animated Christmas thing but I think that's really unfair yeah like this one lady calls it close to unwatchable I don't oh, I just don't understand that not at all um, and I actually like there's one song um, I can't remember the name of it but I did post it on my, my Instagram stories today it's mm-hmm. like the ballad between um, Jesse and Luke I actually mm. like that song more than anything that was in Scrooged which is so shocking to me because I love Passing and Paul but I just found that this particular song to be really really impressive and yeah Luke's voice what's that one crazy. <sighs> let's see and it was kind of fun because I just saw this um uh i saw the staged version of uh 
of this in um I, I just reviewed it for Utah Theater Bloggers Association, a local production. So it was kind of fun to see uh, to see it uh, in an animated form. Um, mm-hmm. Was it uh, Happiness? Uh, the song. Um, Isn't that the one between um, Old and Young, uh, Bell and Young Scrooge? I can't remember. Something, yeah, it's something similar to that. That life never came or something. Yeah, IMDb's mm-hmm. soundtrack credits is not great. Don't yeah. rely on Netflix as IMDb for your soundtrack <laughs> information. <laughs> They're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's what it, I think it was happiness. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's Leslie Bercuse, uh is the writer. And uh, he did, um, he did, I think, the original Oliver. And let's see here. He did, um, Leslie Bercuse did Victor Victoria, which is really fun. Scrooge, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, Victor, yeah, Victor Victoria, um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971. That has great songs. Oh, it was Later Never Came, or Late, well, Later Never Comes, that's what it was. Mm. It's yeah. a really good ballad. Yeah, that was, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'll, be, I'll be excited to add my review, bump it up a little bit. Because <laughs> I gave it like a four. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really four good. as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Um, let's see, it takes maybe take a lot of setting to get used to the the animation style. But yeah, mm. for me, it, yeah, it was really, I haven't seen a lot of animation this year. Um, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. But yeah. for me, it really worked. Yeah. I agree. All right. So then on the third, we had New Orleans Noel on Lifetime. This stars Keisha Knight Pulliam, Brad James, Patty LaBelle. And of course, Keisha Knight Pulliam and Brad James are a real life couple. So that's super cute. And this was written by Elise Murray, our friend. And it's uh, over the holidays, architects and polar opposites, Grace Hill and Anthony Brown are hired to work together on the home of icon Loretta Brown. However, when Anthony learns Grace is celebrating Christmas alone, he invites her to join his family's celebrations. So what did you think about this one? Um, I thought this one was really sweet. Um, really sort of high expectations. I feel like Elise Murray's always um, taken me to really interesting locations mm-hmm. for Christmas yeah. movies. Like you can always rely on her to like show you someplace different. And I'm so used to seeing New Orleans on screen and at night so it was really interesting to just sort of see it during the day and spend a lot of time there as well yeah Um, I think it's such a beautiful beautiful place um it's definitely like on the bucket list of places I would love to go um and yeah I thought the movie was really sweet the chemistry was obviously you know sometimes you do get real life couples that weirdly have no chemistry on screen and it's so strange yeah um but yeah luckily that doesn't happen in this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I have been to New Orleans Square at Disneyland so I think that that counts right (laughs) (laughs) but I mean I'd love to go someday but uh yeah they captured New Orleans I thought pretty well in this and uh and the I thought the family dynamic was done very well and her anxieties about uh like fitting in with the family and just like socializing like they they want her to say grace at one point and she gets she can't do it and uh that seems like a lot to ask your guests on first thing to say to say grace but uh but she can't do it and I thought that was all portrayed pretty well mm-hmm. yeah I thought Social that was anxiety. really yeah yeah I can definitely relate to that and I would probably react the same way of sort of being put on the spot like that mm-hmm. and yeah. then obviously being sort of on her own and independent and 
you know, being thrown into this sort of tight, close-knit family, um, it's it's definitely a bit of a a bit of a culture shock for <laughs> of just all of those family dynamics. It's really, really um I imagine it'd be really, really difficult to to sort of get used to that. But one of the things I did like about this film is when it first started, I was like, oh, we're we gonna get like a house renovation sort of storyline because we've seen you know movies like that before um on Hallmark in particular um where the whole focus is on the actual like planning of what they're doing to the house but I do like that all of that sort of happened in you know the scenes that we didn't see (laughs) it was like we've planned we've, we've you know came up with all of the plans and all of it's done it it sort of happened before I knew I was like oh like they've actually designed the whole house and we didn't have to have those planning scenes which can really bring these movies down um when they rely too much on those sort of you know whatever whatever it is they're planning or working on um sometimes they lean up they lean a little bit too heavily into them sometimes yeah yeah I could see that yeah well and and plus the whole premise that the aunt is a his being busybody matchmaker uh hiring two architects for her renovation is kind of a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I feel like yeah it was so good and I was so glad because I know that you weren't happy that Patty was only in you know yes (laughs) a second of the last movie she was in uh, for a lifetime so I'm glad that she was like a big part of this for you well I mean if you don't walk away from this one in a praline then I don't know what's wrong with (laughs) because and it is believable because anytime you're making candy which praline is basically a kind of candy you have to get it up to a certain temperature you have to get it to a certain state so it's like the soft soft crack heart like there's the different states of candy making it's tricky if you get it too hot you get it not hot enough it, it won't work and so there's like a science kind of behind candy making that i have not mastered mm-hmm. i have not i've i've maybe successfully made fudge but i've tried uh, doing other kinds of candy uh over the years and i just it's just never really worked out very well so i thought yeah. that he could figure it out yeah yeah and it seems like there was definitely some sort of secret ingredient there that she just wasn't going to let on about <laughs> yeah yeah and he finally figured it out at the end mm-hmm. was it like bourbon or something yeah, there was yeah, some secret yeah but uh, yeah, this one I thought was was fun. I give it three point five. Um, I'll give it three point seven five. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the good folks at Baker Publishing Group. They have a special deal right now. If you go to their website, bakerbookhouse.com/featured/hallmarkies and enter code HOMEWORKIES40, that you will get 40% off any of the books that we're talking about today. And today we are talking about sweet historical romances. This is the perfect book for the hearty in your life. If you have a fan of One Calls the Heart, they will love these books. First, let's start with Under the Starry Skies by Tracy Peterson. When an accident leaves Cassandra Barton incapacitated, she spends her time compiling a book of stories about the men working on the Santa Fe Railroad. But worry grows as revolutionaries set out to destroy the railroad. As danger intensifies, Cassie and her longtime friend Brandon must rely on their faith to overcome the obstacles that stand in the way. Next, A Model of Devotion by Mary Connolly. A brilliant engineer, Jilly Stiles, sets her focus on fulfilling her dream of building a mountaintop railroad and remaining independent. But when a cruel and powerful man goes to dangerous lengths to try to make Jilly his own, marrying her friend Nick may be the only way to save herself and her dreams. Next, A Daughter's Courage by Misty M. Beller. Charlotte Durand sets out on an expedition in search of a skilled artisan who can repair a treasured chalice, but her hike becomes much more daunting when a treacherous snowstorm sets in. When Damien Levette finds Charlotte stranded, they must work together to survive the peril of the mountains against all odds. A Gem of Truth by Kimberly Woodhouse, longing for a fresh start, Julia Schultz takes a job as a Harvey girl at the El Tovar Hotel, where she's challenged to be her true self. United by the discovery of a legendary treasure, Julia and master jeweler Christopher Miller find hope in each other. 
But when Julia's past catches up with her, will she lose everyone's trust? Then The Lady of Galway Manor by Jennifer Dybul. In 1920 Galloway, amid the Irish War of Independence, the daughter of a British landlord becomes an apprentice jeweler to the descendant of the creator of the famed Clotta Ring. As the two learn to work together and see each other in a new light, they start to uncover the true meaning of love, loyalty, and friendship. And finally, The Secrets of Emberwild by Stefania H. McGee. Nora Fenton inherits a struggling horse farm and a dangerous secret from her father, one that new horse trainer Silas Cavallaro threatens to uncover as he searches for the truth behind his own father's death. As the two grow closer over their shared passion for horses, the mysteries and dangers of the past loom closer than ever. So head over to bakerbookhouse.com slash featured slash Hallmarkies to pick up one of these great books and use code Hallmarkies40 for 40% off these titles from November 14th to December 12th. That's bakerbookhouse.com slash featured slash Hallmarkies and use code Hallmarkies40 for 40% off. And I will talk about... One of the ones that I saw uh, in theaters, uh, there's, I heard the bells. This is in theaters and this is the done by the sight and sound people that they have this um, really famous, uh, uh, what do you call it? Theater, like live theater that I've heard Mm. a lot about. I think it's in Pennsylvania, I think. Uh, Anyway, that's very famous that they put on like big biblical productions with lots of spectacle to them uh and this is their first time ever doing a film so this is faith-based film but in my opinion this is how you do a faith-based film uh it's got Stephen uh atherholt and jonathan blair rachel day hughes known as america's poet henry wadsworth longfellow leads an idyllic life until the day in his world is shattered by tragedy with a nation divided by civil war and his family torn apart henry puts down his pen silenced by grief but it's the sound of christmas morning that reunites the poet's lost voice as he discovers the resounding hope of rekindled faith so this is obviously based on true story it's a period piece and uh, and the famous hymn i heard the bells on christmas day it's one of my favorites and so it was really neat to hear the backstory about how he wrote that hymn slash carol and i thought that this was all done very well the production values the acting um there was a little bit in the script if i was going to nitpick there was sometimes when i felt like the language was a little modern for these characters like people would be like hey how's it going you know kind of thing i was just like uh i'm exaggerating but but they would just use sort of modern sometimes more modern than i think they should have mm-hmm. uh and uh, so that was a, a, a little bit of a, a flaw but that's true also with the chosen the chosen is a very good show if you want a a, a biblical faith-based show it's about the life of christ it is excellent, but it is also has a lot of modern, but in modern language, like literally at one point, one of the apostles says that I'm freaking out. <laughs> like, like, uh, so, but it's all, it's all so well done that yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah. anyway, this, I moved me. I cried. Uh, I, I thought that it was well done. And what I'm saying about faith-based films is that too often they get too fixated on, okay, what ministry are we going to be promoting through this, through this film? And uh, they even like in war room, for instance, they have, it's all about like literally about creating your own war room and, and uh, uniting with God and everything. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not a movie. Like that's a like tutorial. Right. And, uh, and so uh, then they have, uh, literally at the end of the movie, if you want to get involved, here's phone numbers, whatever. And that's not a movie to me. Uh, what's a movie is when you have characters and a story and emotion. And I think that faith-based films work the best when they just focus on one person's story or a family's story conversion. And that's when it feels the most authentic to me. And again, you're not trying to start like this ministry. 
Uh, and this is, that's what they did with this. This was just about the uh, Longfellow family and about his story and his grief and overcoming it and, and dealing with it and his personal conversion. And so that's where I would recommend uh, they go with these films. The uh, um, a, a great, one of the best uh, that they've ever done is, um, uh, is I Can Only Imagine, which has its flaws the the actor is like 35 in high school it's ridiculous but it does focus on one person's conversion one person's story and it has a great song that is that pays off right so that would be my advice if anybody working in faith-based films is listening (laughs) yeah i've seen that one and that was i couldn't believe what yeah i couldn't believe what i was seeing when i was seeing him play a teenager i was like what is happening right now (laughs) But other than that, and they, the, the, the lady who they got to play Amy Grant, I mean, mm-hmm. she looked exactly like her. I was, I thought it was her. I, that was very impressive. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it exactly like her. Anyway, uh, that's when I think that they can be quite good. I also can't think of the name all of a sudden, but the one with, um, John Corbett, uh there's what's it called all saints all saints if you're looking for a really good faith-based film there's one called all saints with john corbett where he plays this uh pastor uh Mm -hmm. who decides to start this uh church farm for the um uh, for the Vietnamese uh, and the Haitian refugees that are there to help them. And the thing I liked about that movie is that you not only see his personal journey, but things don't go well uh, for the farm. Like it's kind of a disaster. And he really starts to sort of doubt God and why isn't God helping them with this noble goal? what is happening and so i don't know i just felt like it had a nuance to it that you don't always see in these movies and him kind of when he really does come around with his faith and he's strong like he's earned it because mm-hmm. there's been lots of moments of doubt and struggle and uh and uh and the whole i thought they portrayed the immigrants in it really well it was just a really good movie very i would say underrated so anyway uh <laughs> okay so i would give this one four crowns heard the bells i think uh, if you are open to period piece something a little sadder but still inspirational well done a faith-based film i think this is worth hunting down uh so okay well let's talk about mary Textmas. this was on the fourth on lifetime ariana ron Padrique and rodrigo massa and it's Gabby, an app developer from Austin, Texas, and the last unmarried sibling in her family, heads to our abuela's house in Oaxaca, Mexico for the holidays. When she accidentally adds Alex uh, Alvarado, a graphic designer who's lost touch with his own Mexican roots to the family group chat, her family invites him to come along for the holidays. Everyone already knows what I thought of this. What did you think of it? I mean, this was so good. Yes. <laughs> um, it was such a breath of fresh air um and I yeah it makes me sad that people aren't watching this or I feel like people aren't watching this because and also just think the title doesn't help because I tried to like look at the hashtag and it was nothing to do with this movie um unless I'm using like a different hashtag I'm not sure I really Um, wish that it had been Christmas in Oaxaca or something like that something that brought in the fact that this was filmed in Mexico that it's all Mexican bilingual film. Uh, mm. Mary Texmas, not great. No, not great. Um, and yeah, I feel like subtitles also tends to keep people away. And I was so impressed with the fact that like 40% of this movie is subtitled. Yes. Like a huge, huge part of it. Um, and they don't sort of make it easy for Alex. Like mm-hmm. he's coming in being an English speaker and you know they don't sort of speak English all the time just to 
you know, <laughs> sort of help Alex get by. They they are very much like not excluding not not excluding them in any sort of way, but you feel like in another movie, it would because we've seen these movies where they're like in a different country and they're all speaking English. <laughs> That's not reality. Yeah. The reality, you know, yeah. Alex is just sort of scraping by and being taught the language and you know, mishaps happen, actual like yeah. th- this is probably one of the only movies where there's been a miscommunication that actually is believable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it's so like a natural language barrier. To have this bilingual, uh, mm-hmm. to have the movie be bilingual because they, uh, um, yeah, because that's how it would be, especially if you had an, if you had an American with you, then you're going to switch. You're going to go back and forth. When you're talking to Abuela, you're going to be speaking Spanish. When you're talking to Alex, you're going to be speaking English and it's going to go back and forth. And that's what they did in this movie. And not everyone speaks English either, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like that happens a lot in these movies as well. It's like everybody speaks English. Yeah. Um, there's multiple people in this movie that have very little English, mm-hmm. um, which again is reality. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I love this movie and I also feel like it didn't look like anything that I had seen before, mm-hmm. um, especially even the other ones that have, you know, celebrated sort of more Mexican aspects of Christmas. Um, they just don't look like this. I feel like this yeah. is so immersed in its place. Yeah, not um, even just Mexico, but particularly to Oaxaca. When I was talking to Ariana and Rodrigo, they said some of these traditions they had never even seen. He said he lived in Mexico for 13 years and he had never heard of the breaking the plates. He'd never seen the radish sculptures before. That was like all new, even to them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, I just have never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, and I feel like if you just want something different, if you want a little bit of a break from, you know, seeing the same type of you know decorations or it just yeah. the whole aesthetic this is completely different mm-hmm. and it's so interesting um and yeah I don't know where they found these actors is, is this all an acquisition uh well it said in the uh it's it said in the uh, showbiz daily in the ratings it said acquisition but I, it sounded like from talking to Rodrigo that they were working with Lifetime pretty early on. So, cause he, he was talking about that. He went to them about the song they wanted to have, which I thought was a really good song. I love the song and there's a music video on Lifetime, which is awesome. And with him yeah. and uh, singer Andra, I guess is really famous in Europe. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. She was, he was saying, and uh, and so that and he said he worked with lifetime early on in that so it sounds like they were pretty involved at least in uh, in it from the beginning uh, one thing i am hearing from enough people that it must have some validity is that there were some adr problems uh, i watched it on screener and i think you did as well and so i don't think we got those problems uh, but uh, i'm just hearing it from enough people that particularly in the first 15 minutes there's some kind of adr problems so I did watch a little bit because yeah, I did record it and I did see a little bit of um, like it's it's almost like it's ADR, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's like not almost sort of like dubbed, yeah. They're sort of dubbing their own lines, which is weird. Um, well, I mean, so, they yeah, do that I feel a lot like... if there's like they're in like a loud area or something like that. They'll ADR it. Yeah, but, but... I feel like it's it. It sounds like it's entire scenes yeah it's usually just words or sentences or something like that so that's unfortunate if uh, they didn't and and you have you have to have good teams that are good at the adr yes so it sounds exactly like, sounds like that was a little sloppy which is unfortunate uh but yeah i loved all the little scenes when they were working on the app first for her with that like power hoodie on and then they're like cuddling working on it on her bed in the room <laughs> that was so cute and then later on when uh when she's talking to Abuela and uh and Abuela had ordered him to come back and meet up with her and uh, on the app and uh, and and Abuela's like I know what I would do (laughs) (laughs) got 15 minutes it was cute and I I loved the scene where they're dancing thought that Mm -hmm. was great really good yeah that was really good because they sort of built that up that they were going to be the dancers and it was like okay there has to be 
it has to be good <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like they they really delivered on that and I've also yeah. like I've not seen Rodrigo in anything um and I feel like he was cast really well because this is such a hard part like how do you bring someone in to your family and make it sort mm-hmm. of believable but I feel like Alex he's so charming and mm-hmm. you know you sort of there's something just about him like how how warm he was I, I don't mm-hmm. quite know how to describe it but there's nothing sort of threatening about him in any way he's just sort yeah. of it makes it believable that this family would want him around yeah and and the family all had great chemistry I thought the couple had great chemistry and I loved the little scenes with all of the women talking it's like oh is he a good kid oh he is a good kisser <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great I like that he just didn't have his family around, that he didn't have the sort of like tragic backstory or yeah, that he was an orphan or, you know, Mm -hmm. any of these types of storylines. He just was lonely this Christmas um, and his family took him in. um, And I feel like that's all you need sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the miscommunication was believable with him, with the mayor, the mis, the, like you were saying, the, the, uh, uh, that event yeah that, mm-hmm. I would actually believe that this would happen mm-hmm. and she gets kind of huffy but she gets over it pretty quick and they have a nice uh they apologize to each other and a nice hug and and then they go on this uh truck this Christmas truck and it was all decked out and all this this whole parade and everything was so fun mm-hmm. and uh, she teaches him the meaning of the word Bessel which I love. <laughs> just kiss and she's like I think you need to know the meaning of Bessa <laughs> yeah I loved when they got given the the sort of kids yeah like, like a coloring book kind of thing for learning Spanish <laughs> that's really good and uh yeah and then he doesn't the whole... get geolingo he just gets like a <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh and then they have like, this whole parade and they're all decked out and she's got this beautiful dress on and, and flowers in her hair and and they're all and and earlier in the movie they have this whole discussion about how americanizing their names bothers them that they're mm-hmm. instead of gabriella it's gabby instead of alejandro it's alex and uh, and so at the end of the movie, when she says "Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad, Alejandro," it like comes yeah. full circle. And that's how you know when something's a good script. When <laughs> things are, then you get when you get that kind of payoff. You yeah, you get that sort that of full circle moment. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's just like a little detail, but I really thought that that was an interesting kind of thing because you think, oh, it's just like a nickname; it's not a big deal, but. It was, I think, an, a meaningful conversation that they had and that for it to come back at the end was great. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. loved it. I thought it was absolutely great. I, you know, been raving about it ever since I saw it <laughs> because I knew it was the kind of thing that people aren't going to see and mm-hmm. you know, if they don't hear that it's good. And so hopefully it'll have like a kind of a second life on VOD and on uh, that people will find it and discover it. Uh, but, uh, but I'm going to give it a 4.75 just because from what I'm hearing about these ADR things, uh, but it's definitely one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it a 4.75 as well. I really hope people watch it. Don't let subtitles be a barrier. Yes. Just, yeah. Just immerse yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, if anything, it's that such should a good add movie. To the experience. It did for me. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. Uh, so, all right. Then we had 
one that you saw that I didn't see your Christmas or mine. I haven't gotten to see it yet. This one on Amazon and it's mm-hmm. Haley and James are young and in love. They both make the same mad split second decision to swap trains and surprise each other, passing each other in the station. They're completely unaware that they have just swapped Christmases. So what do you think of this one? Sounds fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, oh, and it, it actually wasn't as, I thought it would be, you know, in, in your words, a little bit more spicy, but it wasn't. It was actually really sweet. Um, and it sort of becomes more about their, you know, their families, um, you know, because they switch Christmases. So she's with his family, he's with hers. And I think the more interesting one was when she was with his family because his family basically just consists of his dad um, and his dad is grieving the loss of his wife um, and he doesn't really celebrate Christmas and so it was it was sort of a more interesting sort of seeing her bring out the Christmas spirit in him a little bit more um, and he's played by uh, his, uh, I said Butterfield's dad is played by Alex Jennings who um <laughs> he, he sort of played royalty and like probably half of his IMDb credits um half of those roles are some form of royalty uh-huh. um and that's no different in this film he plays a lord um and yeah it's really funny there's like Prince Charles jokes and of course he played Prince Charles and the Queen uh, <laughs> um and yeah so she sort of as experiencing as a Butterfield's character's James's life as sort of this very lower uh, down the, the pecking order uh, royal. He sort of says that he's 300th and, and something like in line to the throne. Like a lot of people would have to die for him to be king. Um, yeah. So And she comes from a sort of lower middle class family. So he's sort of seeing what her upbringing was like and what her family dynamic is like, which is the complete opposite to his so it was sort of nice that they sort of learn about each other through their family um but yeah I I did sort of feel like we just didn't get enough of them together that's the only thing that I would sort of criticize is we sort of see them at the beginning and sort of towards the end and it's you know a little bit of communication between them in the middle but yeah, it feels like the movie was trying really hard to keep them apart because it's so hard now with phones and technology and it just doesn't make sense that <laughs> they wouldn't be able to contact each other in some way. She loses her phone at one point, but again, that just wouldn't, you know, cause them to not speak or not communicate, um, yeah. you know, today. So I feel like I mean, that, it sounds that almost was like only... a It sounds almost like a new take on a, on, um, a Very Merry Mix-Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like this was, it, it sort of is a little bit more serious than I expected. Um, there is obviously comedy elements and the, the, her family is sort of this very, um, <laughs> I don't quite know how to describe them, but yeah, they're just this very sort of madcap family um, and that's sort of the stronger sort of comedy element in it. Um, but it feels like, you know, it was half the movie was a comedy and half the movie was this sort of very somber um, story about grief. Um, so it was a little bit, diff- it's a little bit strange going back and forth. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I do just wish we saw them on screen a little bit more together. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So what would you give it? One to five. Um, I'm going to give it a three point five. Um, I do I did really I did really like it Um, but yeah I just when you want I just want the main couple to actually be together (laughs) in the movie Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense all right next we have a hotel for the holidays this was on Amazon Freezy app and it stars Madeline Pesh and Mina Massad it follows staff and guests at the Hotel Fontaine in New York City during Christmas time and that's that's a really really short summary um <laughs> but basically she plays sort of the manager of this hotel and he and Mina is the chef and she has to look for a new spot for this hotel uh because uh they're going to be uh selling it 
And uh, so she has to try to figure that out. And uh, yeah, there's like all these little stories from these different people. And I was expecting this to be better because Mm -hmm. it's directed by Ron Oliver, written by Ron Oliver. I thought uh, it was, and it has like this great cast and, uh, but they really didn't use, uh, everybody's in it so briefly. And you spend most of the time with, Madeline's character and her like looking for a new hotel and so this movie was just kind of boring I I didn't really love it I thought it was very slow and I was just not invested in her character I found her to be kind of annoying I mean I like Mena but he's a very much a supporting character in this like don't you'll be disappointed if you're expecting a lot of him and uh, you know it's got Jane Eastwood who's always great but she's not in it that much and it's just a lot of this woman that I don't know so I did not like this one I don't recommend it I give it two rounds oh that's such a shame it's so interesting when they have like somebody like Madeline who I really like like she's in Riverdale and I know everybody sort of criticizes that show but Mm -hmm. for me it's like a show that he knows exactly what it is and leans into it yeah. Um, and she's so good in that show and you always have that where you have an actor that's so good in a show or you know a particular thing yet they can't seem to cast them right in movies you know it's it's so interesting to me like there's so many actors that just pop on shows and then when they make that shift into movies it's just they just find it really difficult um and yeah and, and for Mina as well I just don't understand why he's not a massive star yeah. I mean I know Aladdin wasn't you know <laughs> the Disney remakes are what they are they aren't mm-hmm. great <laughs> they're, for me the, the majority of them there's no need for them um I don't understand why they're making shot for shot live action remakes it makes no sense to me um but he was yeah. very well cast in that movie and one of the better things about the movie and yeah he definitely has like this leading man quality to him. So yeah, it's a little crazy to me that you're saying that he's not actually used in the movie no. that much. Like it's I so even sp- liked the one where he plays the prince mm-hmm. uh, from this year better than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would rather, I forget what that one was called, but it was better. It was better than this. But, uh, but yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, the last one we're going to talk about uh, I was in theaters as well. Um, this is called It's Christmas Again. And uh, it stars Lawson Talatos and Leela Owen. It's Jake wants nothing more than to spend his Christmas vacation with his girlfriend, Abby. So when Abby volunteers for a church's Christmas play, Jake is ready to skip Christmas this year until an unexpected turn of events lands him in a field outside Bethlehem on the night Jesus was born. While on his journey with the shepherds to find the promised Messiah, Jake discovers the true meaning of Christmas. So the yeah, uh, I, I I looked this up on IMDb and I was I saw the poster and I was like, what what is this? <laughs> what is happening i watched yeah. the trailer and i was like oh my god i'm so i'm dying to hear how you're going to describe this to me <laughs> yeah so basically he, he has uh this experience where he there's like a, a like a dream kind of experience where he ends up in bethlehem uh and he's he visits the baby jesus and and everything and overall i thought this was okay I, I, it's, it is refreshing admittedly as a Christian to have one thing of all of these Christmas movies that actually talks about Jesus and is actually about, you know, the, the nativity story. So I, I think I do give it some credit for that. The fact that it is actually about Jesus. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Have one movie. <laughs> uh, and there are nice moments and there are nice songs, but the songs I would say are very hit and miss uh it's trying way too hard to be hamilton i i was like i felt like looking to see you know that christian church that put on hamilton i'm like did they co-fund this because <laughs> i think you know the one that got sued i don't know if you heard about that but they uh they made a christian version of hamilton oh my god uh, yeah, it was ridiculous 
And, and so there's lots of hip hop and rapping and that's terrible, but there are some, you know, nice songs, nice moments. And he does start to kind of learn and change from being with the baby Jesus. And, um, I think if you're, if you are a person of faith, I mean, I've seen way worse faith-based films and, uh, and so I think if you are of faith and you are kind of, you want a movie about Jesus, I think this is okay. It's not a ringing endorsement by any means because of the rapping, I just couldn't get behind, but <laughs> there's a lot of it. Unfortunately, it's like two, three songs that are rapping like, oh no. Uh, but I'd give it three. Okay. That's three a, more than I thought. Yeah, it's just the poster is wild to me. Yeah. <laughs> For the right audience, I'd give it three. Yeah, it made no, a like... bit more sense when the actual trailer started and they started singing. I was like, oh, it's a musical. That's why the poster is so, like, they're all dancing in the background. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that poster. <laughs> well, and, it, oh, I guess they have, like, half the side is regular and half the side is, is Beth- ancient Bethlehem. So, yeah, I feel like especially somebody that's like evangelical, that's mm-hmm. like a particular, that likes a particular kind of evangelical music, things like that, that they'll really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I just wish they hadn't tried to be Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've already got one Hamilton. We don't need this. <laughs> so there we go we did it we finished if you're going to strive for something at least you know go a little bit less than hamilton yeah. it's a little bit it's a high bar yeah, <laughs> so let us know if you got to see any of these would love to hear your thoughts in the in the comment section or on twitter and michelle where can people find you i'm on twitter at michelle R. benson Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Please check that out. Also, make sure you're following the podcast, Hallmarkies Pod and Hallmarkies Podcast, all of our social media. We still have our Facebook, so don't look there. It's disabled <laughs> and we'll probably never get it back, <laughs> sadly. Um, but everything else we're on. And uh, please, uh, please leave your ratings and reviews if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us a lot. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We have our interview that we'll be posting the same day as this uh, for the with the Mary Texmas stars. So you definitely want to check that out. It was really fun. Uh, so look for that. And uh, let's see what else. Did I oh, make sure to check out the patron group. It's a lot of fun. We're having a watch along this weekend with Eric Provost for uh, saying yes to Christmas and. Uh, so I don't know any patron that gives as much benefits as ours does and access to the stars. So please, please take a look at that. And then we also have our merch store, which you have another about week to get in your holiday orders and for Christmas. So please take a look at that and, uh, and you can support the pod and get some great festive designs and anything for the hearty hallmarky postable in your life it's all there so thanks so much everybody and thanks michelle and merry christmas merry christmas